0: Welcome to We The Pool with Umer Khan and today I am continuing my conversation on uh, sexual abuse and religious institutions and religious leaders. This time we're going to look at it from a mental health perspective and for that purpose instead of once again me talking, I've got my guest here. I will let her introduce herself, uh, Rifa as
1: alaikum thank you for uh, having me on. Uh, so my name is uh, Refat Yusuf, and uh, I have done Masters in Psychology from Pakistan. I was working there um, for a few years. Then I, when I moved to Canada, I have recently started working here as psychotherapist. I am registered uh, with the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario here in Canada. And my, uh, most of my work experience is uh, with children and um, adults who have been victims of sexual abuse.
0: All right. Well, thank you for your time. So let's, let's dive right in. Now, I shared two cases uh, that took place here in Texas, uh, and uh, both were part of the Islamic Centers. I'm going to start with how does this shape an individual's personality from a mental, cognitive, uh, social behavior aspect? If someone goes through this at any age, let's say 13, 14, how does that shape the rest of their lives?
1: So um, what actually happens is uh, that definitely this is a type of trauma that someone goes through, be it's uh, a little kid who's three or four years old or uh, a teenager in early teens. So this is a huge trauma for that child. And uh, unfortunately, this is the type of topic that uh, not uh, only in our culture, in uh, Pakistani society and culture, even here in Western societies, this is the type of topic that people just want to brush under the carpet. They do not want to directly talk about it. So when someone goes through it, they actually are very, um, they have very limited resources or uh, options to share their um, and their experience with someone and get help to heal from that trauma. So internalizing that trauma actually uh, have a um, huge impact. The person, their personality would um, generally, they would be overall, uh, as we can call them, a negative person. They will not have a very positive outlook towards people or towards life in general. They will not have confidence in their own selves and in their abilities, and um, they also tend to uh, blame themselves for anything that goes wrong uh, around them because uh, they had this belief put in them or they have this belief in themselves that when the sexual abuse happened to them, that must have been something they did wrong to deserve that so that becomes that belief becomes internalized and in every situation uh, which is even if it's unrelated to them in extreme cases anything would happen somewhere and they would think that there has to be something about me uh, that that makes uh, this um, this thing happen or it's uh, happening just because of me
0: so in this case, how do feelings of guilt, shame, remorse factor in growing up and even interacting with your uh, parents or siblings or um, any new individuals?
1: The guilt that uh, that is associated with, uh, now we are talking from the uh, point of view of a victim, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when uh, they feel the guilt and um, the shame associated with this topic, because the society uh, implies in a way to everyone that talking about this is bad so if something like this happened there is guilt that i am responsible there is shame that how can uh, something like this be um, happen or uh, how can i speak with someone so that becomes sort of uh, a foundation of their personality so their personality development is based on instead of any positive personality traits, their personality is formed on these negative traits. So their foundation is negative, which would it, it's sometimes it's um, uh, it sounds um, like maybe it's not related, but actually, most of their uh, issues with forming new relationships, even trusting someone to uh, make a new friend, generally. Uh, trusting someone is is huge in uh, victims of sexual abuse they they have really really hard time to trust someone and when you're building new relationships even friendships with uh, with your peers or as they grow up uh, they get into the um, age of forming new relationships for their life partners but those relationships always always have the issue of trust because their um their experience of sexual abuse have uh, made it impossible sort of impossible for them to um to build trust between people
0: and you hit a very good point there now does that also mean that such individuals may at some point in time evolve into the very beings who did all that to them (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes, that is very possible. And uh, majority of the people who at this time, if we uh, go deeper into the background of the people who are the abusers at this time, majority of the times, maybe more than 90% of the times, we will find that they have experienced something like that or witnessed something like that in their childhood. Because uh, even for them, if they have just witnessed it, uh, that is sort of a norm for them they are brought up with with feeling that this is something that, that is okay. So uh, to answer that question, yes, uh, when someone goes through this type of abuse in their childhood, there is 90% or more than 90% chance that in uh, when they grow up, they might be the person who becomes an abuser.
0: I'm glad we started this part also. So how on the mental health spectrum... Do we, if I use the word judge or gauge these perpetrators then, because obviously more cases, they have been the recipients of such abuse. So have they not been the victims? So should, how should we deal with them appropriately? Yes, accountability, but how other ways we should tackle this?
1: Uh, first thing I think would be even if it's the perpetrator, uh, him or herself, or if it's the uh, victim, the first thing, the very first thing, is to give them the feeling of being understood, and uh, give them the feeling that they are uh, believed whatever they say. So um, when when we have uh, let's say have a group of perpetrators that we're working with just to help them to get over this. So first thing we will work on is to build a rapport with them and give them this confidence that whatever they will share, we will believe them and they will not be judged or they will not be treated differently just because they have uh, there is this type of history associated with them. Because uh, due to a huge stigma attached to this uh, topic, we don't talk about it. We um, openly so they, uh, the people who have uh, been through this uh, as victims and the people who are perpetrators, even if they realize that this is something uh, which is wrong but they are unable to control uh, themselves, then uh, they need to be understood and given the confidence that um, we are here to help you because um, uh, otherwise they know that no one will believe us people will hate us for uh, what we have been doing and uh, no one is going to be there to help us if we uh, we go forward to uh, receive some help
0: so really i mean coming from our culture standpoint we can't really jump to conclusion from an accountability perspective we have to understand it from a mental health um, from a patient perspective
1: uh, yes uh, this is a mental health issue it's not um, like it's not something uh, we can fit into any other uh, area this is totally a mental health issue and it has to be dealt in the same way
0: now moving on to the community aspect of it in your experience how have various mental health experts in specifically south asian community especially within that pakistani community been approached or their skills utilized for various mental health initiatives for sexual abuse cases in particular or in general
1: actually um, as i said that there is a huge stigma attached to this um, this topic so in south asian community or in pakistan generally even though there are now there are more there is more awareness that those cases are bre- uh, being brought forward more um, more and more but, from the um, giving them help uh, perspective, almost nothing is being done because still people think that it's a stigma, and um, frankly uh, people would even uh, look down on a therapist even who is working on helping them so it's like if if i uh, when I was in Pakistan, if I would tell someone that um, my area of work is this they would just be like are you sure you want to work this field it's oh, wow. like people are our community uh even here they they just do not want to even hear the word sexual abuse so if I would say that's particularly in this field if anything has been done there has been nothing done openly nothing at all like people might be um a little bit of uh, awareness so people might be uh, doing something or helping someone um, but not people are still not opting to go to a therapist to uh, get guidance on how to deal with this or even if um, uh, they say that okay we have found out that one of our kids has experienced this so I want to take my child to therapy, they will not think that it's not just the child who needs therapy. The other family members also need therapy because just knowing that your own kid has been through, it's trauma for parents as well. So parents all need therapy. They also need to speak out what they feel and to share their feelings and even to let out their anger in front of the therapist in a safe place where they will not be judged and where they are allowed to um, share every type of feeling. Lots of work that needs to be done in this um, area.
0: Now, the religious context of it, we have a very broad code of uh, life. Okay, Our religion, Islam itself, uh, transparency, cleanliness, truthfulness, uh, openness, uh, equality in terms of uh, uh, the young and the old, and accountability. Mm -hmm. So even Mm -hmm. with all those, why is it that our society, uh, be it culturally or be it from a religious standpoint... We have dropped the ball on this, whereas the Western society, they have been opening up with these conversations, uh, and Mm -hmm. I believe they are far ahead of where uh, we should have been. So where do you think, uh, from a professional standpoint, we dropped the ball collectively?
1: Uh, these cases uh, happening in the religious settings more or like in madrasas and uh, stuff like that. But my own personal point of view is that in uh, in uh, in Pakistan, the the Malwis that are being trained in madrasas, at, um, I'm not sure if you have ever visited any madrasa, uh, but I have because they, we had one right across from our house when I was in Pakistan. So, the um, they are not given too much uh, uh, opportunities to go out of their madrasa to socialize with other people or to to even talk to other people. They are kind of like uh, they are in confinement, and they have to just stay within their own little world. And uh, the way uh, we all know how. Um, the madrasa teachers or students are being taught. The teachers are always aggressive. They are beating them. And um, the students feel suppressed and uh, they feel like they they are, they do not have any power or control on anything. And sexual abuse is all about power uh, dynamic. So when they are uh, kept in those type of circumstances for a long time Uh, maybe I'm not sure how long they stay in six seven years so after that when they go out first of all it's kind of odd for them to be interacting with other people who are not from the same background as them and then uh, they when they find out that they do have sort of power on circumstances a little bit so they use that power which turns into an uh, abuse of that power and which unfortunately becomes sexual abuse they uh, do it to uh, boys girls whoever is coming to um, uh, learn Quran from them so unfortunately uh, this uh, the group of people who we should all be trusting the most. They have turned out to be the people that uh, after recent uh, more and more news now, they have turned out to be the people who we cannot trust at all
0: right and i want to reiterate here anyone listening that the reason i have picked up uh, religious institutions uh, in terms of islamic religious institutions is because of my faith it is not only that this happens in islamic institutions it has happened in the catholic church it has happened in other faiths around the world but the only reason i have picked the islamic religious leaders is because I belong to this and it is only fitting that I discuss matters related to the scope of uh, the ecosystem I belong to. So I just wanted to lay that out in case you happen to be listening and you're thinking, oh my goodness, so what goes on in Islamic centers? No, it happens everywhere. I'm only focusing on this because of my faith and because I want to have this conversation coming from within. How do we then get Islamic centers to encourage these these conversations, these mental health awareness conversations, and then leading into sexual abuse conversations or sexual education? Well, that is way down the road. But starting Mm -hmm. with mental health awareness, how do we start with that?
1: So I would suggest that people like me who uh, who belong to that community and they are trained uh, in this field, uh, we should be the ones to take the initiative. We contact the the religious leader of our area, of our community, and then um, ask them if they would like us to go in and talk to uh, the attendees in the masjid about um, the mental health, general mental health issues. Maybe we can um, actually... uh, arrange uh, a kind of a seminar or information session for religious leaders. Like, uh, let's talk, if I'm, um, I'm talking about Ottawa, I can, if I'm arranging, uh, information session like that. And then I send invites to all the, um, major six or seven mosques that, uh, that are here and even to, uh, the churches as well. And I send them an invite that this is, uh, information session and I want you guys to attend it so that you are more aware of uh, when someone comes to you for guidance, then you are able to pick up the red flags and be better in a better position to help people.
0: And it becomes an organic growth which just automatically snowballs into a, a system that develops over time. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, one question I have to ask this. Why is it that we focus more on prayers and namaz without professional help?
1: We do not want to talk about the the stigma attached to any type of mental health issues, and also, uh, secondly, um, our general public, uh, if if I can use that term, we do not know how to address that issue. So, if someone is sharing with us, um, like for example, I'm just I'm not a professional, but someone comes to me and uh, tells me about um, having issues with panic attacks and something. I do not know what to do because I'm not trained in it. So Mm -hmm. I would just say, oh, maybe you need to, uh, whenever you feel like you're having the panic attack coming up, you can uh, go do Wazoo and uh, and, uh, uh, do some... uh, some Quran uh, recitation or you can uh, pray uh, to rakat for it and stuff like that because I I don't know how to handle that. And many times when people, um, when someone shares their mental health issue with someone, they just want to speak with someone. And again, being a, a general a public person, I do not know that I am needed only to be there to lend my ear to that person. We automatically start thinking of, okay, what can I suggest to help that? Like we go automatically go into the, I need to help this person mode. And for that, since mental health issue is a stigma, we do not want to think about it or even suggest that person to go, to, um, go and consult a mental health professional. We just say, okay. Uh, Make your connection with Allah more deeper, make your connection with God, with whoever you uh, you pray to or whoever uh, you believe in, and uh, that will help you. So uh, that is the reason why people uh, go that way instead of uh, going towards or uh, even just acknowledging the mental health issues
0: and so many times a person speaking with uh, another person may want that instant validation about what they're sharing as opposed to praying and then um getting a sign or getting a feeling or just feeling that contentment i guess that also plays into that
1: the person who's sharing with us they just need us to validate their feelings and empathize uh, a little bit and empathy is not something natural you can learn to be empathetic so it's um you just need to practice a bit and you will be a perfect person for uh, others to come to and share their uh, feelings and thoughts. If you know how to just validate their thoughts and validate their feelings, be empathetic. And then you, if you think that the issue that they are saying is uh, beyond, uh, beyond the everyday issues, you can just suggest them that uh, maybe you should look into going for uh, counseling or therapy. There's no harm in going uh, to therapy. In these times, we need to realize that going to therapy does not make you crazy. It's just that you are going so that you can um, optimize your mental health or mental well-being.
0: Plus, maintaining that confidentiality and integrity of that conf conversation as opposed to me telling you, hey, you know what, so-and-so came to me and I don't think he's feeling well, so he or she might be going to a psychologist. So also maintaining that confidentiality because uh, those words were shared in confidence.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if they are sharing anything personal, because many times when um, someone is sharing whatever the issue they're uh, having, they would not tell all the details because there must be some personal details that they do not want to share with them so that they don't think bad about us, uh, us so that that's why we are not telling them and we are um, obviously we are scared that if I tell this thing uh, to them they the word will go out and everyone will know about it but if you go to a therapist you will still get to share your feelings but you will be um, uh, you will know that the therapist is not going to share it with anyone at all, because that's uh, the first thing that we talk about. And first thing that we abide by is the confidentiality of whoever comes to us. Unless there is any uh, threat to anyone's life, uh, we never share anything with anyone. So that is also a huge plus point for going to therapy.
0: Because violating that confidence uh, would then become a legal problem also
1: exactly Yeah.
0: malpractice and uh, so many other consequences yeah moving on to rehabilitation are there any particular steps uh, long or short-term steps in terms of rehabilitation of such victims
1: well the, generally what we could uh, like I, I have not come across any specific program for that or something that uh Any organization runs that we can say that okay, if we find out about someone who has been through this, so they can join that program, like like alcoholic anonymous kind of thing. But generally, I think for their rehabilitation, the first thing is, uh, as we talked about, it, validation, giving them acceptance, feeling of acceptance, and giving them the confidence that whatever they're telling us, they will be believed and especially when it is with the kids we also have to assure them that we believe uh, it's uh, it was none of their fault because kids are uh, kids somehow they think that it must have been something i did wrong and that's how i i am punished for my being naughty to my mom or something like that so uh, the first steps would be to give that confidence and uh, then we can work on uh, other constructive or positive activities so that they can channel their energies towards uh, constructive activities or hobbies, which will keep their mind off from, uh, from uh, going through uh, the thoughts or the memories of uh, whatever happened to them. Because that's another thing about trauma, that it, it keeps playing back in your mind. And every time it will play again in your mind, the full, um, the picture would play again and it will have deeper impact than last time. So the impact starts getting multiplied and that's how uh, they become more and more uh, aggressive and even uh, mentally unstable because every time those thoughts come to their mind, they they have even, um, deeper impact than the last thing.
0: And would it be safe to say that we should not rush into diagnosis of some other medical condition only because we failed to listen to an individual or a child uh, about something that actually happened?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, when uh, what we need to do is even uh, the healthcare providers the mental health care providers, uh, parents, teachers, everyone need to be aware uh, and be vigilant of any changes they notice in behavior of the child. Like um, a child who is very good in studies and um, all of a sudden uh, has no interest in the classroom, is uh, being distracting even other kids in the classroom. So if the teacher notices that uh, this is a sudden change in the child's behavior, instead of uh, just going straight to the parents, um, saying that your child is not good in the school anymore or stuff like that. Then uh, parents will uh, take the child to the doctor. They might uh, just diagnose the child with ADHD and stuff. So if you give the confidence to the child that if there is anything that is bugging you, anything that you want to share with me, you can always talk to me and i will believe you then uh, we will save a lot of uh, uh, stress on a lot of different people and uh, even the child will be given the proper uh, proper care or attention they need
0: and that also instills that confidence in the children in children that uh, okay my elders have been here for me and they are guiding the way And they're going through this with me.
1: Exactly. So that is the vital thing. They need to know that someone is there for me. It's not that they will not be against me. They will be there with me.
0: A few last few questions uh, to just to bring it home is, Mm -hmm. uh, is there a certain in your experience and your exposure that you've seen both uh, back in Pakistan and in Canada, or, or you mentioned Ottawa. So have you seen say a community of practice of mental health experts, specifically Pakistanis who have been active within the community? If not, how would you want to go about that?
1: I have not come across anyone yet and um, not anyone from our community, like here locally in Ottawa, I know there is one organization who uh, do work with uh, uh, people or um, people who have been through sexual abuse, but uh, even their work is, uh, when I went uh, through their website and um, read more about it, their work is more towards human trafficking and sexual abuse in terms of rape and um, like the most extreme forms of it. Whereas we know that there is um, also just uh, showing your body parts to the kid or touching their bodies or letting them touch your body. These are also uh, sort of sexual abuse and these forms also leave as much trauma on the child's mind as if they were, uh, they are being raped. So we should be paying attention to this form of uh, sexual abuse as well. And I have not seen uh, here in uh, Canada, I have not come across anyone who's working on this. In Pakistan, uh, the organization I was working with, that was Sahil, they were working on uh, child sexual abuse. So I know in Pakistan there is an organization, but here I have not seen any um, anyone any professionals from our community working on this field in,
0: in relation to this, what would be your audience for this to speak about this to talk about this? Uh, who are we looking at as uh, our audience for for a mental say, health from a mental health perspective? say if you were to do it, who would you be talking to as a group of thirty forty people?
1: I would say everyone because everyone needs to be aware of um, uh, how to handle any situation if they come across it and how to uh, give initial emotional support to a child or a person who has been through this. So it's it's literally everyone. So there, uh, we cannot just define a specific uh, population. Maybe in the beginning, or maybe we can just to make a uniform group, we can say that, that okay, right now we are holding an information session for parents then we can say we are holding an information session for teachers. But we know that parents could be teachers as well, and teachers are parents too. So in a sense, it's actually everyone. It could be teenagers who who want to uh, learn more about it. Because sometimes what happens is if uh, a teenager has been through this and have not shared about it uh, with anyone, but if they... um,